As classroom instruction has moved online, have you found yourself struggling to adapt? If so, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Steph from Heinemann, and today on the podcast, Sarah Gilmore and Katie Rosdeos, co-authors of Integrating Technology, join my colleague Jacqueline Carabinas to talk about the stressful shift from in-person to online and blended instruction, and why we shouldn't get so caught up in what the newest and shiniest teaching tech is. They both argue that while a level of comfort with online teaching tools is now necessary, our grounding principles about what we know is right for students should be guiding us now more than ever. Here now is Jacqueline. Welcome, Katie Rose and Sarah. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thank you for the invitation. It's lovely to be here. When I was thinking about today, I looked back. I knew you had been on the podcast in the spring, but I couldn't remember when. And when I looked back at it and I saw the date, I thought, whoa, it was March 5th and things were just unraveling here in the United States. And so I was just thinking, um, how are you both doing, especially with your skill sets being really critical in this moment? Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy time, right? Uh, it was. It is crazy when you kind of look back at stuff from that time. I even find this when I'm watching like TV and I see people like in a bar or having a party and nobody's wearing masks and everyone's very close to each other. There's almost a sense of kind of cognitive dissonance. And you're like, that looks so cool, but also so dangerous. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I miss it, but also I'm scared. And I have that when I look back at anything like kind of March or before, I'm like, it was another time, a different era. And it was such a strange time as well to publish a book. It, possibly the worst time to publish a book because at that moment, you know, it came out on March 10th. And that was just not a time for people to engage with professional development texts, you know? So, on the one sense, it was hard for us because we really felt this kind of urgency and this relevance inside of ourselves of saying, we, ha- we can help, you know, we have something to say that can help and we have a skill set that can help. But we were really felt like we were kind of looking in from the outside, like banging on the windows of the moment, like, let us in so we can help you. And in, inside the teachers are going, go away, go away. I don't know how to use Zoom. You know, <laughs> go away and come back in six months when I know how to screen share. And so I think we have this feeling now of like, hopefully this now is more of our time because our focus is so much more on that kind of you know, transferable, deeper aspect of using technology to enhance learning more broadly and education more broadly. And I think we're kind of beginning to phase out of that crisis of that kind of tool specific, teach us how to use the stuff. And now more kind of how do we use the stuff meaningfully and sustainably. And it's so interesting that you say skill set, because I'm, my school, we're back on campus. And when I think about the skill set that I'm having to use right now, it has so much more to do with humans and relationship than it does with technology at the moment. And I think as schools now are shifting from crisis mode into a more, I wouldn't say stable, but a different, you know, the new normal, um, I think we really have to be aware, you know, we're working with humans. And so being able to work in a way that helps them manage the cognitive load of what we've been through and where we need to go now. And so, um, so yeah, my skill set at the moment is nowhere near um, integrating technology into the classroom. (laughs) It's so much more of taking care of people, which is lovely, but it also really makes you think about, okay, what can I control 
in this setting right now? What do I have an influence on? And then what do I just need to accept that this is where we are right now? And, and there's nothing I can change about that. And so it's been, it's been an interesting, a very interesting um, start of the school year, I have to say. Well, and I think that, that you both explain it really well. I mean, even with this example of you talking about how, you know, it is, you know, technology integration, understanding how technology can create meaningful learning opportunities is something you do. And yet right now that isn't at the forefront. And I was thinking about, you know, in the in the podcast that you did in March, you really talked about some things that are now on display for the whole world to see uh, that we all know working in schools, one being um, how schools are complex organisms with all these interdependent parts, one of them being like what you just explained, really caring for, for people and building relationships, but also that the finger pointing that you talk about and um, the finger pointing about who's to blame for things not working the way they're supposed to or teaching and learning not flowing the way um, people expect it to, you know, that's something that really led you to the book. And so you talk a lot about mindset in the book. And I just wondered if you could tell a little bit about your perspective of mindset when it comes to technology integration as a part of this whole, this whole complex system. So we outline in the book what we call the integrate model, and that identifies the six kind of interdependent elements that exist within a school um, that can support effective technology integration. And one of those, as you said, is mindset. And I think at the current moment we're at right now, um, as a whole world within the field of education, it becomes everything kind of hinges on that at the moment. And I'm seeing this in, in the school, you know, all the experiences that teachers have, everything from your own school experience to your teaching experience to the culture you grew up with, all of these things contribute to your mindset. And the past six months that of what teachers and leaders have lived through also contributes to your mindset, especially related to your technology mindset. And so it's going to be really important, I think, as leaders move forward and teachers move forward in this next phase to think about how am I working to create a positive institutional mindset within my school? Um, and part of that is recognizing that everyone that works within that school, everyone that's collaborating together has experiences, has opinions and beliefs, and those all have value. Whether or not you agree with them, that's irregardless. They still have value and, and they're part of the package of that person. But within this field and when you're working within a school, there are expectations professionally. And I think as leaders, we need to start working with staff to recognize what their current mindset is, accept that that's what it is, and then start identifying where in your practice is that having a negative impact. And then let's work from there. And it was so important to us to kind of include that in the model because it is this piece that it kind of goes unsaid. There's this sort of expectation that teachers will just do the thing, you know, will buy the stuff and they'll do the thing right? But teachers are human beings who have opinions and beliefs and all the rest of it. And if we just assume or expect or demand that teachers are going to get on board without questioning, well, for starters, it's unrealistic. But more importantly, th that's where the strength of teachers lie in some ways is this critical thinking that they bring to the profession that protects our students from fads and flashes in the pan, and the fact that we have educational reforms that flip flop on a kind of like by decade basis, but we bring that continuity 
you know, and that kind of student-centric view of saying, what is it that my students need? And so the fact that teachers can be hesitant about, you know, change or development or tools is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's what keeps the kind of the, the ship steady, you know, and going along a path instead of changing direction every five minutes. But within that, we have to then provide space to explore the mindset that the teachers bring to our context, to unpack it, where does it come from, how is it impacting on our practice, and to have those conversations. Because that, in our experience, is kind of the most uh, transformative thing that you can really do with a staff to move your technology integration forward, is to have that human conversation about, you know, that's what mindset is. It's not just how we feel about technology, but why we feel that way and the impact that it has on our practice and what can then I as a leader do to support my individuals, my teachers and my organization in developing that that mindset in a positive direction. I love how you both describe this humanity in teaching. And I feel like I always enjoy going back to thinking about the humanity in education and thinking about all of the things that happen in education where the humanity is removed, both for teachers and for students. And this is one of those pieces. Like you just said, Sarah, you buy the thing and they'll do the thing. That's this very black and white thought process. Uh, well, you don't have it. Now you do. Now you can do the thing. And, you know, it makes me think of this. Not only are teachers human and students are human, but teachers have this wide range of talents from class to class. And that doesn't invalidate somebody else's talents just because technology integration isn't one of them, but it really makes this moment very challenging when people don't have a mindset of what technology is supposed to be in this moment with, with everyone remote or hybrid learning. So I was thinking about what do you see as the difference between the mindset of embracing technology uh, before March and now? And what's something that, that we can embrace as a mindset that will help us sustain? Well, I think it's really an interesting moment that it's almost like if you look at it like an experiment, almost, that before March, technology was an option. And, you know, sure, we believe it was kind of more than an option, that it should be something that's embedded and integrated because it gives us these opportunities. It breaks down challenges for kids. But it was optional in the sense that you could opt out. You know, you could just not do it. And lots of teachers did just not do it. And then remote learning came and it became not just optional, but crucial. It was the way that learning could be facilitated, the only way, you know. And so there was this element of kind of requirement and need that in some ways has a positive impact, I think, on mindset and seeing it opens up um, the kind of opportunities for teachers of, oh, look what I can do. Maybe it's not so scary after all, but I do also think that this aspect of being forced to do something by circumstances with beyond your control is damaging in, to the mindset in some ways because there's this very negative experience associated with it of loss of control, of fear, of anxiety, and you know not just being forced to go online with teaching, but being forced to go online and help your kids learn online at the same time, or manage your small children, or you know work in the same room as your spouse, you know and all of these kind of things that add all of this stress to it. So I do think that there's this shift there that occurred that's both positive and negative in the experiences that it brought to teachers on a personal level, but also the opportunities that it brings us potentially moving forward to have learned things about how technology can enhance learning that we would not otherwise necessarily have learned, certainly not in this time frame. And I agree with you, Sarah. It's that unfortunately, 
the shift happened because of our context, but it kept people in this perpetual state of being uncomfortable. And that's incredibly wearing on people. Whereas sometimes when you integrate technology for a lesson, maybe you're a bit uncomfortable, but then you're okay. Um, but we were in this perpetual state, which I think, like Sarah says, as much positive and opportunity that came from it, it can also be very damaging for some people. My hope now is that as people move forward, whether they're remaining in a, a hybrid or a blended learning setting, or they're back on campus like I am, um, that we're able to you know, take a breath, but also move forward without just going back to our comfort zone. But take this as an opportunity and see where technology has actually enhanced the learning for your students, because not all students did this home learning come as a cost. We had several students that actually did really well because lots of other barriers that they have in the classroom didn't exist at home. And that also needs to be said and, and recognized. And so as we move forward as schools, I think when we're talking specifically about you know, mindset and things like this. I think it's about having the mindset to be willing to be uncomfortable again, to find those opportunities where technology can act as a tool to enhance learning. And I think part of that that came up in one of our courses was this conversation around need versus advantage. You know, that one of the ways to help teachers kind of move forward in their mindset with technology is to demonstrate a need that technology can address. You know, for example, the one that I always use because it came from our own context was, you know, you take all these photos of your kids in the classroom with all these grand ideas of like printing them and putting them into portfolios or whatever. And it's so challenging because, you know, Zach and Lucy are in this one and Lucy and Jim are in that and it takes up so much time. And so then you have something like Seesaw or Digital Learning Journal, you see, okay, well, the, the need I have is to organize these photos and that helps me do this in a more manageable way. I think part of moving the mindset away from the kind of the trauma of this moment for teachers is where's the advantage, not just the need. You know, we need to use technology because it's the only way we can teach our kids right now. But there are true advantages as well as needs to doing it in this way for some kids and for some contexts, because that is the piece kind of moving forward from this is this question of where can we take what we have done previously in traditional in-person classroom teaching and evolve it. You know, where can we look for what we were doing previously and say, you know what, that may have been familiar, but it wasn't optimal. And maybe there is a, a better way to do this, better for me, better for the kids, as opposed to just being, I have no option right now. I'm going to have to do it like this. But when this is over, you better believe I'm going back to exactly how I did it before. You know, maybe, maybe there's things we don't want to go back to doing exactly how we did it before. <laughs> I know. Well, I think I think you're right. I mean, there certainly are things that we don't want to go back to. And, you know, you really even answered the next question I had on my mind, which is just thinking about how we, we shift our mindset to sustain the year. And, you know, really, it is looking to see what we can do that we couldn't do before and looking for those successes. Uh, like you said, you know, we can't discount the students that really thrived. Uh, whether it's in March or are thriving now because of those barriers. And there are a long list of barriers they could be from cultural to social emotional um, to various learning needs. Uh, it, the, the list really does just go on. So I think when we can get into a space where we can learn from those and find what we're going to take forward with us, that's when we'll really be able to, to see the silver lining. Because I think it's really hard 
you know, everyone's exhausted right now. It's really hard to see. And if you say, see the silver lining, some people get, get frustrated. I can't, I can't see the silver. silver well, let's be right honest. Now. They actually want to spit in your face <laughs> <laughs> or, or take the glass, and um, which is totally valid. Um, but I, absolutely. I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And that's where like, we have to remember that we're, we're working with humans and we need to take care of the human piece because with without that uh, we can talk we can talk we can set up professional development we can do all these things but if people aren't in a place where they're ready to engage at that level then it, it doesn't matter you know it all comes back to like maslow's hierarchy of needs you know and if they're not feeling cared for if they're not feeling secure um then that inhibits what we're able to do in that moment and so i think coming out of this crisis too um, when we think about all the pieces that contribute to effective technology integration, purpose, resources, pedagogy, curriculum, leadership, this past six months has kind of exposed some of maybe the cracks or the seams that aren't quite together, quite interconnected. And I think it's good to make that note and recognize these things and, and make sure they have a place and you have them stored. So that way, when the time comes and you can look to the future, you can address some of these uh, cracks in a way that's sustainable, in a way that's integrated into your vision as a school. That way it, it lives beyond the classroom as well. I think one of those cracks you talk about, and I've experienced this with some of the teachers that we work with in different contexts, is the way that being in kind of that day-to-day -day normal traditional school setting with all of the kind of supports that it has, has at times allowed us to stop thinking about what we want to teach or what we want our students to learn and be focusing so much more on what we want to do. And that that move into remote learning has kind of forced us to really refocus on this is what I was going to do is not going to work. But what? why was I going to do that? What did I actually want them to learn? What was the core learning that I had in mind for this? You know, I had a conversation with a music teacher pretty early on who was preparing for um, fifth grade graduation. And what he was going to be teaching was um, the graduation performance. That was what he had planned. And like, how am I going to do that? How are we going to do the graduation performance? And I was saying, well, why do you do a graduation performance? What are the learning objectives? What do you actually want the students to get out of doing this performance? Is it about confidence in a performing situation? Is it about practicing? Is it about, you know, pitch? Is it about singing? Is it, you know, and so, you know, kind of broke that down. And what are the advantages to this situation then, you know, that will allow you to teach what it was that you wanted to teach, but in a different way? You know, so all of the students can still do a performance, but they can do it on the instrument that they have at home you know, which you couldn't have done in school, you know, or have them sing. They can check in with you live for, you know, tips and to practice. They can perform live still, or they can record for those students for whom per live performance is actually a barrier to success because they feel very anxious about it. And so kind of that re, um, redefinition away from doing to learning, that kind of activity versus purpose is, I think, a really good place to start when teachers are feeling overwhelmed by remote learning, instead of kind of scrambling to figure out how you're going to do what you had planned to do, instead kind of really like paring it back down. What did you want the children to learn? And what is a way that you could do that in this new context that makes sense? 
Yeah, I think that approach can really help school leaders too. And it may even be more challenging because I feel like if you're a school leader, leader, if you're an administrator, you're hearing it from so many different angles and levels above you, the state or the um, superintendent. And it's so hard to keep that in focus. What is it you want teachers to be able to do? Engage kids in teaching and learning. And when we get mixed up in all of the things that we feel like we should be doing, that we would have done if we were in the building, the one thing that comes to mind is this constant, well, how are we going to assess the kids? How are we going to assess the kids? And sure, it's important that we know that they're learning, but you know, maybe the assessments we were using in the classroom before weren't the best anyway. So here's our chance. And I think for so long, and, you know, especially, I'll say especially in education, but I don't know if it's really especially in education, but, um, you know, the system was built, you know, to provide for the industrial revolution. And it hasn't changed much since then. You know, some of the building, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're still in grade level classrooms. I mean, now you'll see more collaborative spaces, but we're only just starting to see flexible spaces in classrooms. We're only just starting to see some individualized learning programs, you know? And so it's, even though we've, we're out of that era for so long, it seems like education, it takes a long time for it to also evolve. And this, this put all of us, the whole educational field in a tailspin because we had to change. So for some people, it was over, over a night, over a weekend of, and they couldn't even go back into their classroom and get anything they had. So it was really that, that is something that I think our field has never really experienced to the same capacity. And I have to say, overall, I'm incredibly proud of what our educators have been able to do with the lack of resource some of them had, the lack of training, and just the sheer will to try and provide as much as they could for the students uh, in their own home, in their own time. And so I think I've been cr incredibly impressed, but I also think we've been, we've been, we've had to do something that historically hasn't happened in our fields in that same way before. It's also one of the reasons why we have to resist this push from some corners to replicate traditional teaching online. You know, this is, this is the opportunity to break that mold. There's never going to be a better opportunity to move out of an education system that is no longer fit for purpose. Because like you said, you know, at moving out of the school context reveals these cracks. And I almost have this vision in my mind that like our school systems are almost like a jelly mold. And the way that we educate is like slightly unset jelly. You take the mold away and it falls apart, right? And what better opportunity to rebuild it to be fit for now instead of to be fit for 200 years ago are we going to get? <laughs> you both explained this so well. It's been really great to talk to you both today. Maybe we can get together again and talk about leadership and remote learning and where we'll, where we're headed from here. <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> we look forward to it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank thank you. you. My thanks to Jacqueline, Sarah, and Katie Rose for their time today. You can learn more about their book, Integrating Technology, on Heinemann.com. Read a transcript of this episode and download sample chapters at blog.heinemann.com. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George. Sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette. And our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. 
To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.